Stand together for the reading of the word from Genesis 22:3. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship. And we will come back to you. So, Father, thank you for purpose. Even when it doesn't seem logical, it doesn't make sense in the way we calculate things, yet your plans for us are always good, they're perfect, and they're never evil. So, Holy Spirit, we need your help. Illuminate to us truth. And let it be truth that's not just head truth. Transformational heart truth that guides us to the place you have planned for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Then continuing in verse 6. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together, and they came to the place of which God had told him. Up until now, Abraham saw the place from afar. Now he's reaching the completion of his journey. And it says in verse 9, And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the place of the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Thank the Lord. And in your seat all nations of the earth shall be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham takes the son of promise, Isaac. He heads up to Mount Moriah to worship. Now he's heading into an ambiguous place, a place he's never been, an uncertain place. And remember, Abraham in Scripture is called the father of faith, it's also called the friend of God. Abraham did not begin life with those titles. That's not how he was known earlier in his life. He was born in the Ur of Chaldees. Ur meaning flames. Chaldees meaning destruction. Abraham began in a type of place that was called the flames of destruction. All of us were born into sin. Unless we're born again, we're headed for flames of destruction. The truth is, hell is real. Eternity is real. 
And when God came to Abraham, he found him in the, in the flames of destruction. God redeemed Abraham out of the Ur of Chaldees, out of the flames of destruction. And God continued to speak to Abraham. And because Abraham's father, Terah, went with Abraham when God called him to leave to another place, Abraham then had his father with him until he died. A type of our old nature passing. See, God doesn't just save us from hell. He sanctifies us, allowing the old nature to pass away. Old desires. Not that we can't be tested or tempted and fail, but there is a change that should have happened in our nature. It transforms who we are. So we're not only saved from hell, the here and now, old things have passed away here and now. So we're saved from an eternal destruction. We're saved from also the here and now destruction. Old things pass away. The process of shedding off that old nature, guilt, shame over the past, the old man put to death. Now, if I have no other reason to be thankful, he has saved me from the flames of destruction and old things have passed away. Thank the Lord. We are free from our past. Now, God tells Abraham to go on to another place. It's a place he's never been before. And everybody here has a place to go where we've never been before. It's a place of destiny. And in services like we have at Calvary Christian Center, you will get a glimpse of, a preview of, in the power of the Holy Spirit, he will show you another you. He will reveal to you your destiny. And even though you may seem far from it where you are today, even though, you know, you've not arrived at your destiny today, the Holy Spirit is available to assist you to get to where you need to go if you cooperate with him. Now notice Abraham saw it first. He saw the place. Later in the chapter, it says Abraham stood in the place. It's one thing to see it. It's another thing to stand in the place. Abraham saw the place. He later stood in the place. And the question, are you willing to make the journey? Because you're never going to leave where you are till you're willing to make the journey and do it God's way to the place he's purposed for you. Because there's a difference between seeing it and standing in it. Between seeing the place of destiny and actually standing in it, you go through the process of the journey. And each here came into the world with purpose, whether it's your career, your vocation, job, you discover the place and you begin journeying toward that purpose for which God created you. And when you arrive at that place, there, there comes peace and joy because you're in the center of the plan of God for your life, doing what you were created to do. Everything that you've journeyed through in life brought you to this place of destiny if you allow God's hand to guide you. Question. Are you willing to go on the journey to your destiny, to your purpose? Well, there were seven times that God personally appeared to Abraham, and they represent seven steps to the place of your destiny and purpose. And each of those you can get to check off, because all of us are going to have these encounters with God that prove to him that we are willing to go his way to get to the purpose for which he created us. Number one, Abraham met God in the earth of the Chaldees. 
God saw in Abraham a spirit of disconnect from the idol worshipers that were all around him in the Ur of Chaldees. If you're going to make it to the place of your destiny, and your destiny is different than my destiny, something in you says, I was made for more. I, I just didn't get saved to go to heaven. I, I, he, he has a purpose for my life. And ministry, he wants to work through me. And this is not the only reason I'm here to just go find a job and check into it every day and check out at night and come home, grab a bite to eat, turn on the television and fall asleep. That's not what I'm here to do. I must pursue the will of God for my life. And if you will make it to your destiny, you will have an encounter with God as did Abraham. Abraham's father owned a business making idols to worship demonic gods. And Abraham grew up watching his father crafting these idols with his own hands. And he watched his father sell those idols to people who would pray to those demon-inspired idols and gods. And in the shop of idols, there was something in Abraham that knew there is far more spiritually for me than this. I, I cannot relate to this stuff. There has to be more to God than this dead, hopeless religion. There has to be more than an idol that can never answer my prayer. And I want to know who that God is. So God will use the disconnect to get you on your journey to your destiny. You sense it. You know something is missing. And you need this component spiritually in your life. And you're willing to seek the Lord and to, to, to open your heart to say, I want to know you, not just about you. Number two, God appeared to Abraham the second time and promised him the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. And, and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent. And you watch the journeying of Abraham. At this meeting, Abraham builds an altar and he pitches a tent. And it says seven times in the scripture that Abraham built another altar and he pitched a tent as he continued on his journey, progressing toward the purpose for which God had created him. In order to get to your destiny, you have to pray, and you have to be willing to change. There has to be inward, constant transformation, which produces growth and produces fruit. You have to be willing to change, step out of your spiritual comfort zone and your routine. And the word says, pray without ceasing, meaning there's constant communion with the Lord. And when you have constant communion with the Lord, listen to me, there will be daily course correction. Every day. Every day. Not once a year. Not only during a Daniel fast. But daily there's fellowship that brings course correction. And Abraham might have just remained there. He might have just stayed in one spot. This is good. The blessing of the Lord has been here. I will remain here. No, he was on a journey to his destiny as are each and every one of us. We cannot get comfortable where we are spiritually. He's taking us on a journey. So there's glory to glory. There's faith to faith. It's not boring to discover your, your destiny in the Lord. Some Christians have turned faith into boring. All they want is to go to heaven. I'll just punch the clock on Sunday, and then I'll go do my thing all week. When you're following Jesus... It's an adventure. When you pray, God will say, well, you need to pitch your tent right here now. 
and then you're going to worship me here for a period, and then there's going to be another place in him where you pitch another tent spiritually, and you worship him there as you're growing and developing, and there's course correcting going on. Serving God is an adventure every day. He always has a future and a destiny. There's always another step to take. Then the third time, Abraham has God appeared to him. God appeared to Abraham and promised him a son through Sarah. In Genesis 17, Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90. And God tells him, you will be the father of innumerable children. From the time of that promise of destiny until the birth of Isaac, 20-some years have passed. So what do you do when you have a word from God, but your world doesn't align with the word that is in you? What do you do with that? How's that work? God gave me a word, but the world I'm in right now doesn't seem to line up, doesn't reconcile. Abraham had a word inside. He could see it, but nothing seemed to be happening related to that word. See, it's at this third rendezvous that you learn to fellowship with the patience of God. (laughs) Yeah. God will give you a promise. God will give you a seed. Later on, there will come a harvest. Because there is seed time and harvest. Notice what's in the middle. Between seed time and harvest, here it is. There's seed, time, and harvest. We see, we have instantaneous information at our fingertips. On any given subject, you can punch that into your smartphone, and within seconds, you've got information. But remember, we're serving a slow cooker God. God will give you a promise, you see your destiny, but then comes the test. You have to fellowship with the patience of God. Well, I don't see it. Why hasn't it happened? If you really told that to me, why hasn't it come to pass? And his response, you keep praying, you keep pitching your tent every day, you keep trusting me, you keep allowing me to change your heart, you keep worshiping me, you do what I tell you to do, you stay hungry, you pursue me, not it. Fellowship with me, believe me, when you don't see it manifest, you're fellowshipping with the patience of God in that process. James put it like this, the testing of your faith produces patience. Wow. The fourth time God appears to Abraham and he has him gather five animals to sacrifice out of his flocks and herds. And God has him cut those animals right down the middle. And then he places them and God appears as a fire in the midst of those sacrifices. And God was teaching Abraham a lesson in this appearance. Those sacrifices represented the wealth of Abraham. They represented the successes of Abraham. They represented the vast resources of Abraham. And God taught Abraham, I want you to make me the center of your life. God let Abraham know, I want to be at the center of your success. The reason I have blessed you, I am the center of your life. So if you're ever going to get to your destiny, there has to be more to it than just making money, more than acquiring stuff. The Lord says the way you get to the place of your destiny, you put me in the center. I want to do amazing things in your life and your family. 
but I will not be on the sideline. I will not be over here on the perimeter. You put me in the middle of your marriage, your family, your business, your career, and your relationships. You've tried other things. Put me in the center. So even when you encounter trouble, Jesus will be in the middle of it all. And if he's in the middle of it, you'll get through it. On the other side of the fire, on the other side of the smoke, on the other side of the battle, Jesus will be standing saying, the covenant I made with you is sure. Five. Fifth time God appeared to Abraham. He appears to Abraham as El Shaddai, the strong-breasted one. God said, in order to get to your place of destiny, your strength must come from me. Strength cannot come from your success. It cannot come from your material possessions. It cannot even come from your family. There has to come a place in your walk with God where you learn to draw strength from nowhere but God. Some people, as long as their lives are in order and they're kind of managing and controlling everything around them, they're really good. If that's what you draw your strength from, when trouble comes, and it will, you will have epic failure. But when you have a relationship with El Shaddai, the strong-breasted one, no matter what's going on in your life, you draw strength and power from him. The sixth appearance, this appearance by God, the one before the final appearance that God makes with Abraham, had to do with Abraham's family. Here God comes to Abraham to speak with him about his own family, his lineage. And Abraham had a nephew named Lot, and Lot had a family. And they were living in Sodom and Gomorrah. And judgment was about to fall on those cities. And God thought, can I do this and not speak to my friend about his family? Judgment is about to fall on a part of Abraham's lineage. And God says, you know, Abraham prays to me. He has an altar. He speaks with me about his family. I've spoken to him about his lineage. Because of that, I'm going to go speak with him about his family. So God appears to Abraham, and he says, Abraham, you need to get Lot and his family out of that city because destruction is coming. Understand this, Calvary. Abraham understood that between here and destiny, the enemy will attempt to take out your family. Satan will attempt to destroy your lineage. Somewhere between here and your destiny, the place of renewal, the place of purpose, the place of miracles that God has for your family, don't be deceived. The last attack before the seventh appearance of God, it's an attack on your family. And when hell can't defeat you any other way, the enemy will come with fury against your family. I'm so glad that I can stand here and announce that what Abraham discovered, no weapon formed against my family will prosper. I see it. I believe it. I've experienced it. And if you believe he is the God of families, take a moment and thank the Lord, God will bring your family back to him. That's your spiritual promise in lineage to your children and your children's children. I don't care what he throws against your family. I don't care what hell has designed to destroy your family. Your children are against your lineage. Remember, 
like Abraham, you have a covenant with God that says the enemy will not prevail. And families today are under great attack in our culture. They're fragmented. They're hurting. Way too high a percentage of them are fatherless. Many of them are broken. They understand children are being raised with no boundaries, no rules, no obedience, no respect, learning no principles of how to go about life. Listen to me. We're seeing the fragmentation of our families, but God is pushing me to tell you, tell God's people, I can heal your family. I can deliver your family. I can save your family. And there's nothing more important in this world to me or precious to me than my family. Somewhere between seeing it and standing in it, the enemy will stage an attack on your family. And go to the bank on that. He will come at, if he can't get you, he'll go after your family. But Abraham has such a man of prayer and such a man of faith. When he sees the coming destruction, he begins challenging God. He said, you're going to destroy the city? My lineage, my family's in this city. And God said, that's right. Abraham came near and said, would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? And the Lord said, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. So when Abraham, listen, Abraham saw God agree to this deal, he pushed again. (laughs) Some people give up way too soon. I mean, they throw in the towel and they say, I can't go on with the whining about what hell has been doing to you and your family. No, you keep coming back to God. You keep coming back and approaching the Lord. You keep approaching him on the basis of his covenant and his word. Don't you start feeling sorry for yourself because feeling sorry for yourself is crying on the devil's shoulder. And he'll pat you on the back and tell you how pitiful you are. (laughs) Or you can stand up and say, I have the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on my side. Devil, you will not have my children. And if you came here looking for a word from the Lord about your family, here's your word. Your family shall be saved. And you thank God for that promise of victory because God has purpose for families. And because you've made a covenant with God, he will use your children and your children's children. That's his promise. So Abraham keeps coming back again and again. For family. Lord, how about 40? Would you spare the city for 40? Mm-hmm, I will. How about 35? Would you, would you spare the city for 35? Righteous? Yes. How about for 30, Lord? Would you spare the city for 30? Yes. Would you spare the city for 20 righteous? For 10 righteous, Lord. And so listen to the response. And God said, I will not destroy it for the sake of the 10. Don't quit coming to God for your family. Come back again and again and again. And then the last time God appears to Abraham, the seventh time, God came to Abraham and asked him to offer Isaac to him. Wow. And he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So once again comes this trust 
When he left the Ur of the Chaldees, he didn't know where he was going. God said, I'll show you. When we get there, I'll show you. And now he tells him to go to a mountain, of which I shall tell you. And Abraham didn't know which one it was going to be. He just heads off following God in obedience. Now, not just an offering is he going to make through death. A burnt offering is what the Scripture said. And this is very gruesome. This is horrific. Take his body parts, that's what it means. Take his body parts and stack them on the altar and burn them unto me. Wow. That's the seventh appearance of God to Abraham. Now, often when we look at the story, we think of Isaac as a little boy, maybe four or five years old. No. Mm -mm. He was upwards of 20 plus when this all happened. Abraham was well over 120. Isaac might have easily overpowered that elderly father, but notice that the 20-year-old and the 120-year-old join hands and said, together. There's no generation gap here. The God of the Father will be the God of the Son, and together we will journey up the mountain to our destiny. I am not leaving you behind we're going together. And the good news, if you're 20 years old, you can get to your destiny in the same time it takes some people 120 years to get to. That's why it matters whether you serve the Lord or not in your youth. Remember now thy creator in the days of your youth. The world says party, waste your years. The culture says have multiple relationships with people outside of marriage. Go ahead and experiment with substance and drugs. God says you can choose that and waste all that time ending up in pain and in misery, or you can serve your creator in your youth. You can say, God, here I am. I'm heading for my destiny. Now, what's the greater testimony? You judge. When I got free from drugs... And I got free from immorality, and I got free from alcohol, and I went through this, and I went through that. Thank God for his mercy that pulls you out of that mire. Amen? Or, or, I didn't have to do that because I found purpose and destiny, because I locked on to God from an early age, and I'm headed to the place God chose for my life early. So you can get there quickly, or you can take decades of wasted days and nights. It's Abraham and Isaac. It's the young man and the old man headed toward destiny of their lineage. And they're walking up the hill together. And they're moving to the mountain and the place of destiny that God has for them, spanning the lifespans of generations to the place that God has prepared for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this is the promise we have also from the New Testament. That's a, pr a prophecy fulfilled that came all the way back, goes all the way back to Joel, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. So he's saying to us in Scripture that there'll be no gender issue here. My Holy Spirit will bless the men and the women he will speak through the male and the female. Listen, and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. It will be a multi-generational renewal, old and young alike. 
male and female alike. Thank you, Lord. That's the promise of our heritage and our destiny. That's who we are. No more of that Jesus stuff is just for those old folk over at church. No, no, no. Well, those pitiful people that are up in age and have nothing better to look at in life. No. All those people, they always carry their Bibles with them. No, no, no. Listen to me. We are not leaving the next generation behind us. We are headed to destiny, and not one of our children will be left behind. We will climb the mountain together, hand in hand, and say, I'm not leaving my family behind. Because hell wants to divide, and God wants to unite and bring families together in the presence of the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham said to his young men, these were some of his employees, stay here with the donkey, the lad. That was his son Isaac and I. We'll go yonder and worship. On this journey to destiny, you will reach a point. The only one that you can take with you, yourself and the son, Jesus. The journey to destiny at some point requires a separation as God continues, as you pitch that tent, as you build another altar, as you continue on your journey of appearances and connections with the Lord, as this daily course correction goes on, at times it will bring separation from friends. At times you will note, I can't continue to hang around with people that are pulling me in the wrong direction. You begin to recognize that when you are in need of support and strength and mentoring and advice, you don't look at your peers and ask them what you should do because they don't know any more than you do. You come to a place where you and the Son of God walk together and he begins to disciple and mentor you. You have to develop such a walk with God in order to reach your destiny. It's not up to your spouse or your parents, or anyone else you're connected with, and you go only as far as they're able to go? No, that's not the way it works. You have to have your own personal walk between you and the Son of God. And to get to your destiny, it's you and Jesus. It's one-on-one. It's what he plotted, planned, purposed, designed in me before he said, let there be light. And I have to spend time with him to know him so he might impart to me purpose. It's individual walk, journey. When Abraham and Isaac went up to the mountain, Abraham put wood on the back of his son, and for three days they climbed up that mountain, and there was silence according to Scripture. We don't have a record of their conversation. And and for three days there seems to be not much conversation They crucified Jesus and put his body in the tomb, and for three days, silence. They arrive at the top of the mountain. Isaac could have resisted his father, but he willingly laid down his life as Jesus did when he went up to the top of Mount Moriah in Jerusalem and willingly laid his life down, trusting his father. It's a picture of Calvary. Abraham lifted the knife, intending to make the sacrifice, and watch this, when you've gone as far as you can, As far as you can, you've walked as long and as far as you can, doing what God told you to do. Then comes that voice. 
It will happen for you as it happened for Abraham, telling, stop! And then he saw the ram caught in the thicket. He didn't see the answer until he was performing the responsibility of obedience. That's an awesome thought. Abraham did not see the ram until he was performing his responsibility of obedience. See, we say to God, God, you show me, and then I will do it. And God says, you do what I tell you to do, then I will show you while you're performing what I requested. That's how God does business. In all of Scripture and God's covenants, there's rarely ever used the wording I'm about to read to you. And just before we get there, let me just show you this. Watch this. When God saw Abraham lift the knife, he's about to plunge it because of his obedience and love for God. God said, stay your hand. There's a ram caught in the thicket. When Abraham and Isaac were climbing up the one side of the mountain, God on the other side of the mountain called a ram away from its herd and led it all by itself up the side of the mountain. And provision was made as they converged together. And here for the first time, God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh, provider. You will find Jehovah Jireh at the place of your destiny. And God says something he rarely ever says in all of Scripture. And it's in Genesis twenty-two sixteen. 16. By myself I have sworn. Abraham's faith and obedience caused God to swear an oath. And he looks around, because usually you, you, you swear an oath on the account of, bank account of, or the amount of money you've stored, or you swear an oath on the basis of someone else's name and their power, and you come under subjection to them. But he looked around. I'm God. There's no one greater than I am. There's nothing greater than God. So listen, listen now how this works. By myself I have sworn. There's nothing greater I can swear by than who, than who I am. I am God. I swear by my own name and character, says the Lord. Because, Abraham, you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. Can you say amen to that? Your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all nations of the earth shall be blessed. Now listen, here's the caveat to the whole deal between God and Abraham. Because you have obeyed my voice. Wow. God has a destiny like he had for Abraham. For every person here, you each have a purpose. And you can live your whole life and miss it. Because you want your own pine cones to lead you where you want to go. Or you can be an Abraham. When God says, repent and be baptized 
You don't stop at repentance. You get in the tank. When God says, bring the tithe to me, you don't tip him on Sunday like you're at a restaurant. You bring him your tithe. When God says, roll up your sleeves and serve with the gifts I've given you, you roll up your sleeves and you serve wherever you can. When God says, I want you to be servant and do it as unto me, you pick up the towel and you serve because he asked you to do it. There was no hesitation on the part of Abraham by the time he got to the seventh appearance of God in his life. The most horrific request that could ever be made for a father to test that man. Because you have obeyed my voice. want your purpose? I do. want your destiny? I don't know about you. You can play with your pine cones. I'm going by the compass of this. Because when the journey's over, I'm not going to have been eaten by a bear. I'm going to be embraced by Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So stand and bless the name of the Lord. Come on. Come on, stand and bless the name of the Lord.